Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Today with some decent spells of hazy sunshine with top temperatures ranging from 13 to 17 degrees. The current temperature is 10 degrees. You're now up to date on the home of the best music mix, Quartz 96 FM. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I'm worried driving the car with the NCT test. I'm not going to give this any more credence. I'm not going to let that person win. I will not be a victim. We have nothing to put the patient onto, so they're safer on an ambulance trolley. What I did in the morning, TJ, is crack. It's like yarding. Join the conversation. Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Good morning to you. Tuesday morning, the 2nd of May, into my favourite month of the year. I love May. I have always loved May. I know not why. I just do. I think if you get a nice May, a nice, mild, sunny May, sure it makes the rest of the year. First of June is the first of summer. We can get warmed up through it during May. All right, lots to do this morning. Lots to do. I want to go straight to one of the most enduring mysteries. Uh, in Cork. What happened to the O'Dwyers? Where did they go to? What became of Connor and Sheila O'Dwyer? I remember when the 30th anniversary of this passed in April of 1991, we featured it on the show and the guards renewed their appeal for information, but still nothing, no trace ever since the 30th of April 1991. Connor and Sheila Dwyer from Fromoy in County Cork. I'm joined this morning by Fintan Cullen who presents the Missing Persons podcast, uh, the Missing Persons talk show podcast and has dedicated an awful lot of his personal time to sharing Missing Persons appeals, not just from Ireland but indeed from around the world. Good morning Fintan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Delighted. I, I'll start with the obvious question. What got you into this work and why? Because uh, nobody in this country cares about missing people. And <clears throat> when I say that, I mean they don't. It's, be, it's taken me 10 years to get people to come around into understanding the variations as to why people go missing. And that's a community issue, not just a family issue. Is there a personal connection to this or was it just an interest? 
No, it was an interest because um, time and time again, people were coming up missing and people are under this wild impression that police are actively looking for missing people. They're not. The file remains open, is what you'll be told. And if you go to the Garda website, you'll get a file of missing people. But bring it right down to brass tacks here. Nobody woke up this morning, went to work as a Garda, and their first call was to see what might have happened to the Dwyers, correct? Correct. Well, one is because they haven't got the resources and they're not trained properly. I work with various police forces around the world and they're trained in a much better way than they are here. So talk to me about the Dwyers, because this is a mystery. 1991 disappeared literally without a trace. Well... Um, the two people concerned, uh, I haven't refreshed myself on the case, but can you tell me, were they wife, husband and wife? Husband or and wife sister? from, from Moy, both in okay. their 60s, April 30th, 1991. You see, this is very, very hard. When people are in, in that twilight period and time, it's very unlikely that they have uh, ran away. Uh, it's very unlikely that they would have left the country. Because of their age, they're, they're, it's a bit late in life to be running away, even if you want to run away from the world. So it's a very, very hard one to call. They were in their 60s. They were walking home from a funeral mass in Formoy, April 30th, 1991. They were last seen by a woman who just saluted them, as you normally would, at about half nine in the morning. And 22 days later... When they hadn't been seen, a family member raised the alarm to Gardi. Gardi got to their home in Fomoy. The house was locked, unopened post on the mat. Their clothes were still there. There was food in the fridge. Their bank account hadn't been uh, accessed since the day they vanished. Their passports were not found, but their car, uh, a fairly unique kind of a car at the time, a white Toyota car, has never been seen since. Yeah, that's that's um, it's quite a, you know you know the, the only thing that comes to mind, and I do with cases like this all all the time all over the world, is unless they had money issues or they had issues with people making threats to them, I can't see any other reason why people in their sixties would just disappear. Like where would you go? Like back in nineteen ninety one, it was a lot easier to disappear just because you wanted to than it is now. We'd accept that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, it, 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 it's... P- the people do... There's many, many reasons why people disappear uh, and people are not really... <laughs> people don't discuss it and the guards don't like it being discussed. Um, the, the, the main reason why people disappear is um, from the point of view of um, mental health, Uh, running away from something, running away to something, sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse. Um, They're the main reasons why people disappear. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at the circumstances here, and if if you were an investigator looking at this scene now, so they were seen half nine in the morning. Their clothes were, were still there. There was still money in the house. Right, um, they there was still food in the fridge. There was post on the mat. It sounds to me, reads to me as a layman, Finton, that they just went without warning, suddenly. 
Yeah, that's possible. But you see, the, the, the big annoying thing, well, it's not annoying, it's annoying for me, is that it's been 22 days before anybody even decided like there's something wrong. I was getting this, to that. I was getting to that, yeah. This is, this is a typical Irish trait, though. It doesn't happen in any other country. But it's typically Ireland, and, and they give you all kinds of reasons. Oh, we didn't want to know. It's none of our business. It's everybody's business. When somebody goes missing and they're part of the community, it is everybody's business. Now, back in those times, again, 1991, not everybody had a mobile phone. In fact, they were, they were a rarity rather than anything else. It's, so we kind of, you had a landline if it was working. If you rang and the landline wasn't answered, you assumed the person was out and yeah. you'd call them again. And maybe it was after a period of time that whoever raised the alarm said, actually, I can't raise them with a couple of days or a couple of weeks. I wonder, are they all right? Sure, but you see, like again, I'm back to the same thing. Wouldn't you, Well, I would, and most people around the world would call to see are the people okay. But we don't in Ireland. We just seem to think it's somebody else's problem or somebody else will do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find I work directly with families, okay? And I find that if I ring a family for support or help, they don't want it. The majority of them don't want it. Now, you may find it very strange, um, but the majority of people don't want They don't want to get involved. Or, you know, I, I, I've, I've helped a case recently where somebody had left his wife and two children and they were on a boat to the UK and somebody had heard what I was talking about on the show and the person was actually on the boat. So I'd arrange for the police to meet the person getting off the boat not to tell them they had to go home because an adult has a choice and, and the legal right to be missing if they want to be or away if they want to be. Yeah. And um, it was just to let him know that his kids were really, really worried. That's why I wanted to do it. I eventually got talking to him. He went home. But the reason he left was, now this is just this particular case, the reason he left was his wife was demeaning him, uh, telling him he wasn't looking hard enough for a job, and it got in on him and caused, caused mental health issues, and he just needed to get away anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it, it is impossible to fathom out why a couple in their 60s, like you said, would disappear. Something else that was noticed over the years, uh, Finton, with regard to this one, and I know this because I remember the original disappearance. I was working in news at the time, my very early days as a news reporter at the time, I remember the disappearance. And I mean, 10 years on, five years on, whatever. One thing I've noticed, and other journalists have noticed, is that locals were always very reticent to talk. They would prefer not to. Well, you see, people are afraid to say something in case they're right. Or even if they know something, they don't want to say something. And I really mean, we are, we're a great nation to come to if you're um, overseas and we make people feel very welcome. But we're not that good to each other. And it shows itself, it raises its ugly head when it comes to missing people. Yeah. Yeah. No one seemed to want to talk. Anytime I remember looking into it, no one ever seemed to want to talk about it. Kate has a question just on the practicalities of searches here. Kate says, do, do you think that Gardaí, when they search the water, that those searches are definitive? Um, like, isn't it easy for water to carry people out to sea? If you look on the internet, you seem to think they accidentally drove into the water, people yeah. whose cars are found, stuff like that. Like, I, I do believe that, i trying to remember, recall, I think in the case of, of, of the Dwyers, a body of water was searched and no trace found. Sure, well, you see, water is the easiest thing, and it's a great excuse. We surf the lakes, they're not there. 
Yeah. You see, uh, you know, um, what, what, you know, what else can they say or do? There's really nothing else that they can say or do. And people that want to go missing are people that are kidnapped, which is quite regular, and kids that are trafficked, which is never discussed. Um, and when kids go missing, in many cases, they're trafficked. Yeah, yeah. That there's a lot of that seems to happen uh, well, in, the, Ireland, in the Spanish islands in particular. Yeah. Ireland is the third worst place in the world for trafficked children. But to come to or to be taken from? To come to and taken from. Really? Yeah, trafficked into, out of, uh, 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 sorry, into, around and out of Ireland is, is the VOs that we do when I'm promoting that. Okay, okay. The car, and again, come back to this specific yep. case, although we're speaking in general. Like, you can disappear yourself, but a car is a big thing. Do you know what I mean? Sure. And you can't just disappear a car. If you take it on a ferry, there'll be a record of it going on a ferry. Correct. Right? You can't just disappear a car. It's a big yoke. Like, and this one was white, which means it would stand out a bit. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, you know, they could have set it on fire and it could have been an old wreck somewhere that nobody would have known. Burnt out car, though, in a country area would be an unusual sight, Finton. It would be, but I'm only trying to give a logical um, um, answers yes. to your question. I know, I know. And again, it's, it's, we're focusing on specific cases, but in, in general... Okay, here's a question for you. Do people often disappear without reason, for example? Well, without reason to, to the families, yes. Um, um, the reasons, like I say, like people run from, they run from homes in particular. That's a big one. Um, children's homes, or even homes for adolescents or older people. Um, but the the main thing is mental health. Um, um, ashamed of their sexuality, having affairs, um, and of course the other thing is for body parts. Body parts. You better you better expand on that. Yeah, they're being kidnapped for their body parts, young teenagers. In Ireland? In Ireland, yeah. Almost like um, a made-to-order type thing. Um, uh, because they're young, they're, they're fit, they're healthy, and their body parts can be used usually by the Russian oligarchs or the Chinese. Now, the police absolutely hate when I talk about this, but I serve the missing people, not the police. And um, this happens in Ireland, and it's about time that people really realise that it happens. Well, that people who go missing and are never found, that they have been kidnapped, murdered, and their body parts distributed. Uh, every, yeah, a very small portion. From Ireland? From Ireland. Wow. Okay. Okay. There was a case years ago of a young chap. You might remember this one, Finton. I think his name was was Ben, and he disappeared from Greece. A little three-year-old, blonde-haired lad. Right. And he's believed to have been seen in Ireland. Would that surprise you? No. No. Uh, no. Absolutely. Um Nothing would surprise me when it comes to missing people. Like I say, I deal with the Metropolitan Police in the UK, the FBI in America. I work with groups all across the world. I've 800 groups behind me, 500 individual pages, and we're learning every single day. The only thing here in Ireland is that we don't have, um, when children go missing, um, they rarely find up 
they're rarely found in dumpsters, which they are around the rest of the world. Okay. Um, yeah, someone's asked this question here. Um, what proof do you have that body parts have been harvested in Ireland? Well, if I uh, if I had proved that body parts were harvested in Ireland, I'd be... Um, uh, that's an interesting question. The person that asked that question, it's really interesting. If you see, this is what you get all the time. I don't see what benefit I would have in coming on air and saying something of that kind. The proof that I have is it happens in every country of the world, and it happens here. And where you get trafficking, you get um, this body part scenario. As long as you've got somebody willing to pay 50000 a 100000 for somebody's lungs or somebody's eyes or somebody's heart, It'll happen here. You, so you can that's... understand, Finton, though, how someone sitting with their tea and toast listening to our conversation yeah. who's never had a case of a missing person in their life is sitting going, ah, Jesus, go away after Yeah, but that. you see, yeah, yeah, but that's... You, can, you don't understand Irish. that, can't you? Do you ever hear the expression, the thick Irish? <clears throat> that's what you have here in this country. Blatant ignorance. It's not my fault that they're ignorant. Um, you know, it's an awful thing to be ignorant and it's very, very easy for people to say that doesn't happen, that couldn't happen, that wouldn't happen. The amount of people that came to me that thought it would never happen to them with their children missing would yeah. blow your mind. Yeah. I, I've, been, I've been up until five o'clock this morning working on cases, um, uh, not around the country, around the world, because there's nothing... Um, that's jumping out right here now at the moment. But generally speaking, the average person that goes missing here is between 18 and 25. Mm -hmm. The older people that go missing are going missing because of Parkinson's or something of that nature. Um, But the younger people, the younger children that get missing and the teenagers, they they go missing either through um, neglect in the family or they're being kidnapped. Right. How? Whether whether they want to, whether the people want to realise it in Ireland or not, um, I always call them the thick Irish. It's not until it happens to them that they think, you know, oh my God, I never knew that happened. You know, kids are also taken for adrenochrome, but that's something entirely wow, different. Wow, 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 wow. What's that? Adrenochrome is where. Okay, now this is going to shock your listeners, but like, um, I wasn't given any uh, parameters when I was asked to do this interview this morning. Oh, listen, fire, fire away, Finton. I'm, I am genuinely fascinated here. Okay, adrenochrome is from adrenaline, okay? And adrenaline is taken from the back of children's necks. Now, this is when the children are used by the rich and wealthy to be hunted on huge um, private property. They're hunted till the adrenaline builds up. The adrenaline then is taken out of the back of their neck. They're hunted again, usually in pairs of one or twos, usually brothers and sisters. And the adrenochrome is sold for about $20,000 and is drank by the rich and elite. Because they they believe it makes them younger and euphoric. Okay. And that's something that can be easily Googled, by the way. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, come, come back to the specific one we were talking about here this morning. How often do couples disappear together? Very seldom. Yeah. Very, very seldom. I would make that an unusual one, I would think. Yeah, it's extremely unusual because one, you have to have the same willpower of two. You very seldom get two people that agree or two people that won't worry about people that are leaving behind. One person might, but it's very unusual to get two, and they're worried about the consequences. Could they have been running from something? From somebody? Absolutely. That's the more likely case, running from somebody, yeah. Mm. That would be my take on it. Yeah, yeah. 
Interesting. There's something that came up over the last number of years, Finton. A lot of young people, and I'll be careful how I ask this because I asked this of someone before and I got given out about it. Young people are going missing. Mm-hmm. And it's notified, obviously, to Gardaí after 24 hours or whatever. And the notice goes out. And almost to the minute, 72 hours later, they turn up. There was talk of a challenge a few years ago. Did you ever hear of that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, about people doing it for a day. Correct. Go, go, yeah. go, hide in, go hide in a pal's house while his parents are away. Yes, but the, 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 the other thing is... Um, that's of course that's very possible that that would happen but the other thing too is there are kids that are disappearing and disappear quite quite regularly and there's never any any follow up done on the parents like if the child is running away from a family he's obviously running from something or running to something I'd be inclined to get to know why they're leaving so often and where are they going yeah now I know it is and it's anecdotal but there's evidence there to back it up a lot of children go missing within the care system yeah sure you know uh, uh, you know and, and just like everything else there's sexual abuse everywhere so the care system is not going to be any different and and of course the other thing too is you've got people in the care system that aren't trained you've got people that aren't trained for, you know to deal with somebody's psyche um, and and it, of course, with children that are, are well, mainly teenagers that are in care, they have an awful lot to put up and tend with. And if they shout or answer back, somebody they're seen as being troublemaker. Um, I would see them as the forgotten people. I think a good a good a good foster parent, and they're out there, many of them. A mm. good foster parent knows that the child for whom they are caring has come from a background that gave reason for them to be in foster care. And the children in foster care are quite likely, particularly teenagers, are likely to be, what's the word I'm looking for, volatile. Of course. And angry. Yeah, and course. hurt. And they'll take it out on whatever adult is trying to make a difference in their lives, that person being the foster carer. Do you know? Sure, and if you're going to foster somebody, you have to take that on board and you yeah. have to you have to be part of their lives in a good sense as well, at good times as well as bad times. And you, you have to create the atmosphere that they live in. So if you're going to take on that responsibility, do it properly. Can I ask, this has come in and we talked about it recently and we spoke a couple of times with a reporter from the UK who was covering it. This is the case of Nicola Bully. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, yes, her, her body was found. We know that. God bless her. God bless her. Mm-hmm. But, but there was this search done and she wasn't found. And we still don't actually know what happened to her. Did she fall in? Was she pushed in? What happened? Like, do you think, for example, that the Nicola Bully case has been closed satisfactorily? No, but I thought there was something very odd about the way the whole thing was conducted. You see, just like the Madeleine McCann case, um, I find it very odd when a government and a set of police um, are so, so, so concentrated on one particular case. And there's other cases right beside them that yeah. not get a word in. You see, that's, to me, you talk about conspiracy theories, there's something very odd about that. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call 96 FM. Now, 
you may remember that I spoke to Neve Kilcawley on the opinion line last year. Neve is blind as a result of a tumour she had as a child. And the reason we spoke to her was because when she was doing her junior search, she was entitled to some extra time to complete her papers. But she wasn't happy with the kind of one-size-fits-all nature of that extra time. And Neve believes, and so does her, her mom, Sinead, that every student should be entitled to an individual assessment of the time that they actually need. Now, that case, her case, was taken up by a man called Kieran Delaney, who is a disability activist from Cork. He sits on a key advisory body in Leinster House called the Disability Stakeholder Group. And Neve is one of four young people whose case will now be featured on RTE Primetime tonight in a feature that Kieran suggested to the production team. It looks at four people, Dylan Nelson, Porrick Moran, Saoirse Smith and Neve. And I'm grateful to Sarah Neville, the press officer at RTE, who sent me some video clips to watch in advance. And here's a little audio grab of Neve from tonight's documentary, which is called Access All Areas. So there's another angle. The system isn't designed for me. I have to learn around it. For me to be able to achieve as well or even better as anyone, I need to put in 10 times hard work than they do. I got the best junior cert of my school. I was over the moon to be able to do that. And I couldn't tell you how happy that makes me feel. I don't feel like it's a level playing field for myself and everyone and I want the same opportunity as everybody else. I think that we should take example of other countries and their systems and how we can improve it to be able to make life accessible and happy and normal for people who are blind. That's the clip from tonight's uh, primetime show. Um, and I'm joined again by, by Niamh. Niamh, I didn't know, I did not know until I saw the video, I did not know that you got the best junior cert in your whole school. Nate, how brilliant was that? Morning. Hello. Um, yeah, I know. I, I couldn't believe the results of my junior cert and I was absolutely delighted. Well done on the video. I was really impressed with you just making your way around the house on a typical day. Talk to me about that. So basically, me making my way around my house is all by memory. I know what my house looks like. Um, I know exactly when to turn for the door. Um, some people kind of find it funny because it's almost as if I can see because sometimes I can reach out for handles for doors. Um, and it is a really handy skill. But for me to be able to have the chance to be on the programme, I just want to thank everybody in RTE, Isabel, Kieran Delaney and Owen. I couldn't have done it without them. How did it come about? How did you get invited on? Um, uh, they noticed all my clips and Kieran Delaney informed them about me and I, without him I just wouldn't be able to have the opportunity where I am today to be able to have that programme to, to like, basically show everybody and create more awareness about my disability and the challenges that are faced. The, the video goes through a kind of a typical day from me getting up in the morning to going to school to then maybe at the weekends going shopping and meeting your friends and it, you talk through how it's different for you. One that I noticed, Neve, was you're going shopping uh, in a clothes shop and people yeah. don't take any account of your stick, for example. Yeah, I think a lot of people 
aren't aware. Um, some people aren't aware. Some people are oblivious. And there are, you know, some people who don't care. They feel like they have more of a right to rock um, ahead of me than I do. But I think the awareness is a big problem that I face every day because some people are just too busy looking at their phones, too distracted, or don't even know what my cane is. Yeah. Going back to school and remind people again what you got extra for the junior cert after the campaigning that you did. So I have an extra 10 minutes every hour. Um, I also had breaks. So... And that is thanks to Kieran. He's fought for my breaks. Um, I wouldn't have got that without him. It's just, it's not enough, really. Hmm. And it won't be enough for my leaving cert. And it's even harder because for the leaving cert, there's extra time for some subjects, but not all um, English and history. There is no extra time at all provided because it is seen that there's extra time already in the exam, which is unacceptable. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Say 10 minutes per hour. So if a paper is two and a half hours, that gives yeah. you an extra half an hour and and you get a break. Is, is that how it works, correct? If the exam is two and a half hours, I have an extra 25 minutes okay. and that is um, including that we'll have a break. Mm-hmm. Your scribe is the person who does all the writing for you and that allows for the time that takes it does, but it's not enough time because um, I think it's around 25 minutes and a half an hour. And it's hard because that is a lot of me thinking, telling them what to write and start new paragraphs. Yes. Um, and you would be surprised how much that time that takes. I imagine I would. So coming into the leaving search, you're going to need more time. You say on the video, and I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but you, you say yeah. that everybody's case should be assessed individually. Exactly. Everybody, there should be individual assessments because everybody's needs are different. I am one blind person. There are other blind people. I am one disabled person. Um, I just feel that I have different needs to everybody else and everybody has different needs to me. So I think that other people should be assessed and that there should be an assessment of what people's needs are for exams to make it as equal as possible. So you might need an extra half an hour per paper. Your friend over the road might need an hour. Exactly. And that and it should, it should be that way. Come back to English and history. You said something there that they won't give you any more extensions on those. No, um, English and history are two examples. They, it's seen that extra time is provided in those subjects already. But that's for everybody, not for you. Exactly. So I don't get extra time at all. In English, there's, there's so many books and poetry and so many heavy writing questions. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I remember doing my English in my leaving cert, Neve, and I never had enough yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And imagine not being able to see your paper and actually have to rely on somebody to write it for me. And it's just the time that that takes to do. It's That exam needs to be much longer. How do you do maths? Maths, it's all in my head. When I have to do maths, I have to visualise what it looks like. I have enhanced diagrams and then I have to explain it to whoever is writing down my maths homework. And... Um, some people who I'm writing down my maths homework don't have any experience with maths, which they will for my um, exam. But it's hard because I have to do every single thing in my head. 
Now that you prepare to go into fifth year in September, how do you feel about it? Are you nervous? I think so, because it's coming so close towards my leaving cert and I am waiting for change to be made. Um, and two years may seem like a long time for some people, but it will go by very fast. And it's coming up to my leaving cert. And if those changes aren't made by then, you know, what effect will that have on my result? And that's just not fair. You don't think the system takes into account the fact that you can't see. I, I, I get that very clearly from you. They don't. Um, they're, nobody's going to have the experience as somebody who is blind. Um, and that is something that is very valuable and you will never understand until you're in that situation. Have you had any opportunity yet, uh, Neve, to put these questions directly to the Minister and Rabbit? Yes, I have um, had meetings with Anne Rabbit and Josepha Madigan over the summer. Um, I think it was July, August time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't really know what changes have been made since then. The very best of luck to you over the next couple of years. Thank you so much. The primetime video is brilliant, Neve. Absolutely brilliant. I've, I've had a chance to see it. Sinead, her determination just continues to, to baffle me. I don't know where she gets it from. Thank you. You know, she has grown so much in her own confidence, you know, since in the last year even. So, you know, as I said, as we, we can't thank Kieran enough. It's empowering to, to feel that you get the opportunity to have your voice heard. A programme like this tonight, and I'm hoping that many of our listeners will watch it. This isn't a panel discussion by experts, politicians and commentators. This is a video about real life for real people like your daughter. How important was it to get that opportunity? I think, you know, it's life changing in so many ways, regardless of the outcome, to get the opportunity as somebody who feels like they don't matter, that their issues aren't heard is so important. Every day is a struggle for Neve. You know, she's such a strong character and so determined. And we're so lucky that she has that determination. But, you know, make no mistake, there are so many challenges just in the simple things in everyday life. So to get the opportunity to raise awareness for that and hopefully make people just change their you know, behaviour when she's walking down the road, even that simple change would make a, a big difference to her. And certainly someone watching at the Department of Education should be able to say we need to stop blocking her and start doing things for her. Exactly, PJ. You know, as I've said so many times, you know, we want to work together to engage positively going forward. You know, we're, we are where we are, but why don't we just talk? Hmm. Because we've had experience and equality is so important in this day and age. You know, we talk about the UNCRPD, the rights of individual students to have their assessments made. We need to make that happen. Here's hoping that the video tonight and whatever discussion will follow it, here's hoping that we're another step along that road. Sinead and Eve, thanks as always to you. And thank you, PJ, for your continued support. We appreciate it so much. Uh, it's my pleasure, Sinead. It is my pleasure. Um, that programme tonight, uh, RTE Primetime, I'm given to understand, this is latest update, this may change, that the Minister, Rab and Rabbit, was invited to be on the programme to respond to what's coming up in the video tonight and that for uh, her own reasons, her office have declined that invitation. That is the present situation, Lisa was situation as of yesterday. It could change. 
but that's the latest we have. It's very inspiring listening to that girl, Neve. I think someone should make a list of all the issues raised by shows like the Opinion Line and Prime Time and make a coordinated effort to resolve it. If it was all done at once, it could make a huge difference to the country. I'm glad you think that we'd be that uh, influential, but I do appreciate you thinking it. Um, what we did the last election when we had the various party leaders in the studio here. There'll be another one coming up, I guess, in 2025 or 2024, whatever. We took clips. We took clips of various issues raised on the programme and we played them back to the leaders as... um, We played them back to the leaders as they were sitting here. Some of them had answers. Some of them bluffed. Some of them tried. Some of them failed. Just coming back to my conversation with Finton, and I'm sorry it went down a mad road because I was enjoying it initially, but certainly some of his theories are off the wall, to say the very least. Hi, PJ, I have Parkinson's. Why would I go missing, like he said? Yeah, he did mention that, didn't he? Uh, Sign him up to write movies. That's all he's good for with an imagination like that, says another one. And a point relating directly to the case of the Dwyers and their white... Toyota Cressida uh, registration number and I give this out because constantly people are still asking about it 5797ZT was the registration number of their car white Toyota Cressida Google if you've never seen one they were a gorgeous car and it wouldn't have been easy to hide in 1990 it would have been very easy to get a car scrapped for cash no questions asked and then this about kids being taken When was the last time you heard a report of kidnapping of children? I can't think of many, if any. Well, the case I was bringing up about the little lad who went missing in Greece is a chap by the name of Ben Needham. He would now be... uh, He would be about 33 or 4 now. And at one point, it was believed... Believed, I strongly stress, that he had been seen in Kinsale. But he went missing in Greece in 1991, July 1991, and never seen since. Never a trace of him found. A bit like Madeleine McCann. Never a trace of her found. Um, interesting discussion, but it went a small bit bad. Oh, 818 96 96 96. Snap the app on Cork's 96 FM. Can I get a woohoo from you because you are now 500 euro richer? Thanks so much. I'm sure they are. You are now 500 Woo! euro richer. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. You've won it. 500 euro is yours. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I'm actually going on holiday tomorrow, so it'll be you. You've won 500 euro. Oh my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, what a great download. Congratulations to all our winners. Stay listening for our next Big Way to Win. Big Way to Win. The word only on Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM. As always, Neve Kilcally, very impressive to our listeners. Her teachers, says Kevin, deserve immense credit because teaching someone who's blind must mean they have to be really articulate and accurate in how they deliver the lessons. Ain't that the truth? And she got the best junior search in the school. That I didn't know until I saw the video. Uh, Kate. 
Hi, I just want to know if she could do her leaving search by audio. I mean, so many people there, they can't read books and they get the audio and they hear the whole book and it could be a huge tome, you know? I think stuff like prose and poetry and all those, they can be all accessed through audio. But but she still but do has the exam, to. Do the exam that way, you know? I think they could make an allowance for that. But also, what I would like to say, I wish they'd get rid of the leaving search. So what use is it now? Because they're not going to get results until November. And they're all in college at the end of September, October. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the points thing, the points thing is a joke. Yeah, but the colleges insist on a certain level of points, so right. there has but to be some assessment. they're in college then. Do you understand yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, they're already in college, and if the points don't match up then, sure, yeah. are they out of the course then? Yeah, I think I, I think I read, thanks Kate, I think I read over the last couple of days that Norma Foley, the Education Minister, has told the Exams Commission, like ministers are supposed to do, you know, remember who works for who, she's told, I think, the Exams Commission that they have to have the results ready earlier than they said. I think she has put it to them. You, you have to do it. That's not acceptable not to. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I dreamt it. I don't think I did, though. 0818 96, 96, 96. If you have leaving certs in your house this year, on tomorrow's show, we'll be talking about study techniques and special tips for people to use over the next five weeks. Five weeks tomorrow. Five weeks tomorrow is when the exams start so we'll chat more about it on the programme in the morning. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You make me feel... Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96fm.ie for more. 96fm.ie for more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make, you make me feel... Only on Cork's 96fm. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, coming up in just a little while. When is a gift voucher not a gift voucher? And when would you know when a gift voucher is digital money. It's an important difference. If you have a gift voucher for certain shopping centres or things like that, be very careful. The law changed a couple of years ago and a gift voucher, if I issue you a gift voucher from my restaurant or my pub or my shop or whatever, it must legally be valid for five years. But not all of them. Not all of them. I'll come to it in a while. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. A lot of love in the room, a lot of respect in the room, a lot of admiration out there for young Neve Kilcawley, who we love having on the show. She dreams one day of being a journalist. I think she'd make a damn fine one too, if it ever happens for her. Mary, very inspired by her. Good morning. Hello, um, PJ. Listen, um, I totally agree that, you know, children should be assessed separately. um, My own daughter is diabetic. And that had a huge effect. Like, we would do things so differently now if I'd known 
especially the leaving search like kind of thing and when you go into college you get the fir- the only thing they ask you is what did you get for your leaving yeah. search so you get extra time and that's all whatever you got for your leaving search you get in college can I and ask you what how, how purely out of curiosity Mary yeah how diabetes would affect her leaving cert or would have affected her leaving cert? Well, it's basically, it's the exam stress. Okay. Reads, what does, what does stress do to everybody? Pumps adrenaline into your body, reads a sugar. Okay. I see. So, actually, the time was nearly a disadvantage because she doesn't read slower than anybody else. She doesn't write slower than anybody else. Mm-hmm. If she needs to medicate the extra time is going to take no difference. The medicine takes about two hours to kick in. Is she, is she allowed to medicate during an exam, for example? Oh, she would be, yes. She'd have to. Like, she could have, she could go into a coma. Like, well, if her blood sugar fell low, which is unlikely to do because stress is more likely to cause it to go high. Sure. And I don't but want to pry into you, personal circumstances, no, no, but no, does she, have a, does she have a pump, for example? No. Okay. She doesn't use a pump. I see. Because I, yeah. I would so, imagine you if know, one did use a pump, that would make life easier, would it? Not, no, not necessarily, because oh. the medication takes a long time to work. I see. You know what I mean? Generally, like, if you eat, take um, insulin with your meal, for example, it's two hours. I see. Afterwards, that, you know, your body turns to normal or whatever, you know? I so, I suppose exam stress is, uh, you know, and an extra 20 minutes sitting there stressed is actually worse I see, I see. In some cases, you know what I mean? Yes. And what we found then, even the subjects that she wouldn't have been stronger in, her strongest subjects, if they were a single exam, were often weaker than the subjects that she would have been naturally weaker at, but they had, you know, a project or, you know, practical, a music practical or something like that, counting towards the end mark where she could... Where everything wasn't riding on this. There's a lot of talk, as we know, Mary, these days about continuous assessment and whether there should be more of it out there. Like, would it have suited your daughter better? Oh, well, absolutely. Like, we've we've seen the proof of that, even subjects that she wasn't particularly good at. We, We would now probably have gravitated to, you know. But then, you know what I mean, that that's kind of, again, adapting, doing subjects that she's not interested in just because she can... Do, the, do better in an exam and yeah. isn't what education is about either indeed, but unfortunately indeed. unfortunately it is you yeah. know what I mean very it's much just, the, the point uh, you make is one size does not fit all it doesn't and even some like diabetes like not everybody gets stressed in exams even yes, yes. you know exam stress affects different people differently as well like kind of thing and other people wouldn't feel that same stress or maybe wouldn't and you know she doesn't know if she's going to feel it like you go in and if the exam suits you or whatever, but if you kind of feel under pressure in an exam or something like that, obviously you'll get more stressed. And she came out fine out of some exams, she came out of some, and she was hardly able to you know, she couldn't even tell you what subject I'd say she was after sitting. So what what Niamh is saying, and and we'll be saying, I'd like to have a little grab from the programme, but a very important point she makes in the video on tonight's prime time is that every student should be entitled to, once they're approved under this scheme, they should then be entitled to an individual assessment for their own needs, rather than just, that's what you get and that's all. Exactly, because like, you know what I mean, my daughter, like she was unlucky, like kind of thing, she narrowly missed 
the COVID leaving certs, which would have given her an assessment based on her classroom performance. I see, I see. The two years there that people got that would have suited her far better because what she came out with in her leaving cert did not reflect how her did standard she, how did in she all do? subjects. Did she, did, was know? she satisfied in the end? Not, oh, no, she was disappointed. And now she's in college or whatever, you know what I mean? She got UCC or whatever, but Good didn't. You know what I mean? She didn't reach... Her, but. You know what I mean? There's other ways. And, 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 other and in college, and Mary, I'm, I'm, I'm given to understand that in yeah. college they have an exceptionally good approach in that once you need help, you'll get the help. Well, no, she gets the same time. She was just asked what oh, I she see. gets in her leaving cert. Oh, I see. So she just gets the extra 20 minutes again or whatever, you know what I mean? And it's oh, one see. size fits all again. <laughs> I see, I see. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, well, that's that's been our experience of it anyway. You know okay. what I mean? That All right, Mary, thank, 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 yep. you, thank you for the call. I do appreciate it, but it just illustrates, appreciate that, it illustrates what Neve was saying to me and will be saying in the primetime video tonight and what um, Kieran Delaney was adv- advocating for her was that it is not one size fits all and should not be one size fits all. Once you qualify for extra assistance because of your health or your disability or whatever you have, then it should be assessed per person on a case-by-case basis, as they say. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Helena, you had this Mahan Point gift card. You went to spend it and you got... Well, you were disappointed, to say the least. Morning. Good morning, PJ. I suppose, look, I went to the shop in Mahan um, to use it and the girl told me that there was actually nothing on the card. When was it issued? Um, now, I did get it uh, December 21. Okay. So, um, according to the lady at the desk in Mahan Point, then where it was purchased, um, it's valid only for 12 months. So, December 22, it ran out, but I thought it was valid till June Twenty-three, because that's what it says on the card. Oh, so the card has a date on it. The card has a date on it, valid till June twenty-three. So, like, I went and I thought, like, I I'd lost the voucher first of all, and then I found it. And she look with COVID and the shops closed and everything. Of course, of course, it wasn't that easy to go and use it and stuff, you know. So, look, it's a bit disappointing, you know. You give them cash and you think you're getting a gift card. And that's the other thing. It says gift card on it, but the girl at the desk told me, no, it's actually digital currency. I looked up the difference here. And a gift card, an actual gift card for an actual shop, or gift voucher, is now legally valid for five years. It must be legally valid for five years. But there's a digital currency thing under EU law that classes those cards as digital currency. But that should be explained, shouldn't it, when you're buying them? Yeah, when I bought it, I thought it was a gift card, a gift voucher, you know? Yes. And that's what I asked for at the desk, and that's what it says on the card. But look, I've learned differently now, you know, and it's a bit disappointing. You hand in cash. I used to buy them every Christmas. I would spend anything between three and 500 buying vouchers to give to people because I thought, you know, they could use them when they wanted to. They obviously can go to any shop in Mahan which obviously now kind of reflects bad on them as well because obviously it's the centre who wins but not the shops that you think you're buying a voucher to use in, you know? The other thing that is confusing for me is 
that it says valid 12 months from date of purchase, but the, on the card it says until June of 23. So you've two separate dates in front of you. How are you meant to know as a consumer which is which? Well, that's it, you know, like um, when I was told yesterday that it's a digital currency card and it's only valid till 12 months. Like it's like there's two lots of rules, but they pick which one applies, you know. Mm. So it's not very good. It's not very clear. It's a bit disappointing. And, you know, I wonder how much people are losing every year and especially during COVID on all of these cards that were purchased and not used, you know? Yeah. You tried to use it in one particular shop and you couldn't because they said it was down to the shopping centre. Yeah. If I'd have bought one for that shop, it would have been valid for five years, but I didn't. I bought it for, for there. I had intended to gift it to somebody, but look, I didn't. So I thought it was up next month and I said, look, I'll use it myself. But look, no, that option is gone, you know? I've always been a bit dubious about that, Helena. You know, if you put 50 euros cash on the table today and come back to it in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, five years' time, ten years' time, that 50 euro cash will still be sitting there. Exactly. You'd wonder why these cards diminish, wouldn't you? Mm, but sure, look, it's no different, I suppose. We're paying by card and all the time, the 50 euro, you're, you give 50 to the butcher and then he gives 50 to somewhere else by card all the time that 50 is getting smaller and smaller like you know it's the banks are making money as you say if you spend 50 you have 50 yeah. but every time you pass it on electronically it goes down the, the bank takes a charge off it it goes down you know soon we'll have no money <laughs> we're not accusing Mahan Point of doing anything out of the way here but I think what you are saying is that they should clarify more when someone is buying one of these things yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I, as I say, I asked for a gift voucher. I got a gift card, as it says on it, but now I'm told it's not a digital currency. And, you know, look, it is, it is what it is. I suppose I just would like people to be aware of it, you know, and sometimes, look, you don't have time to go. You put it away, you forget about it, you find it. You know, we had COVID. There's lots of reasons, really, but it's very disappointing, you know, mm. for such, you know, but it is what it is. I have vouchers for for restaurants there that people gave me. And to be honest with you, I know how bad things have been from COVID and I actually wouldn't even ask them to honour them because, but Mahon Point's a huge shopping centre and this is just, like as I said, the money they're making and keeping must be unbelievable out of it. Well, well, there's a thing, Helena, any voucher that you were issued from the last five years for a restaurant or a shop or whatever, they're just as valid today as the day they were issued. That's the thing here, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah. You know, I can go and use them. I can't use this. It's just all gone, you know. I wonder, is it the same with every centre and every one of these gift cards? It's worth looking into. Well, I know the all for one is much the same as well. They have a valid date and they charge a fee per month and all of this, you know. I don't know about other ones, but mm. I do know that one. So I don't buy those ones. That's another one drives me mad is that fee per month. Drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know. As I said previously, Helena, we're not accusing Mahan Point of doing anything out of the way here. No. They're clearly not. But but just for people, if you got one of these vouchers or, give, or are giving one of these vouchers, be sure you know they only last for a year. Yeah, they're not a gift card as it says on it. Like they are digital currency according to the centre. 
And yeah, only valid for 12 months. Helena, have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thank you, PJ. Take care. Thanks. Um, yeah, Tony says, I got a gift card yesterday in the Imperial Hotel. It's valid for five years. I was surprised. I double-checked. There were no T's and C's. I said, no, five years. So it's possible and it's done. Well, it's the law, Tony. If you go to a hotel or a restaurant or a pub or a shop, or anything, you buy a gift voucher, by law now, it must be valid for five years from the date of, of issue. That's a gift voucher. But Helena went down and asked to buy a gift voucher at Bahan Point, and she paid for it, and it turns out to be a form of digital currency, which is covered by another set of laws entirely. Uh, so that is not really a gift voucher, it's it's digital money. So if you're going down to the counter in Mahan, and I'm sure any other shopping centre, and we're, we've asked them, by the way, for their take on this. We've asked uh, for a response to what happened to Helena and to the general principle of these cards that diminish in value um, and have dates on them that are not inside five years and the differences. So we'll come back to that that as soon as they respond, if they do respond, assuming they will respond, because they're usually quite good to do that. But the one question I've never been able to answer, if I take, I don't have it right now, it was a good weekend, I don't have 50 euro in my wallet right now, but if I had 50 quid in my wallet and I take it out and I put it on the table here in front of me, and unless... Someone robs it off me, which wouldn't surprise me around here. I'm only messing. I'm only messing. If I leave it on the desk here until this time next year, this time two years, this time three years, whatever, it will still be worth 50 euro. And I will still be able to take it down to the shop and spend it as 50 euro. But if I put it on one of these cards, it diminishes and diminishes. Why should it diminish? 50 quid does not diminish. It's still 50 quid. And I've never been able to get to the bottom of that. 0818-96-96-96. You can't use the Mahan Point vouchers in all the shops either, says Doreen. Travel agents don't take them. Okay? I wasn't aware of that, Doreen. But thank you. 0818-96-96-96. Join the conversation. Call us now. 0818-96-96-96. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call Kathleen, here's a tip. Say the expiry date was 20th December 2022. If you come in before the expiry date, say December 18th, they'll issue another card valid for another year. It's important to know, though, it must be two days before the date. I know it doesn't help your listener here, but it might help others. That's interesting. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we've been talking a lot recently about codeine and codeine addiction, salpidine addiction, whatever you're having yourself. Whether you take it for a headache, period pain, sleep, back pain, the simple fact is out there, more and more people are becoming addicted to things like salpidine and Nurofen Plus, which are available over the counter in this country. Now, you, you will be quizzed and you will be questioned, most of the time, about why you want salpidine or why you want Nurofen Plus, but we still have uh, it's we still have some of the most liberal over-the-counter rules with regards to codeine products in the whole of the EU. 
Um, Deputy Colin Bourke has been looking into this. Colin, you got a figure of one million prescriptions issued for codeine. That's aside from over-the-counter stuff. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning, DJ. Um, <clears throat> in fact, the, the number of prescriptions issued, in fact, was 1,110,000 um, in one year, which is a a 17% increase since 2018 and that's a huge increase in real terms and we need to be, I suppose, a lot of us can easily go on medication and uh, you know, you can get totally um, reliant on it and that's the, the the challenge that we now have and there is a review being undertaken by the Health Products Regulatory Authority about whether or not codeine then over the counter should it be by prescription only or should we leave the current situation as is. Now remember this is the figures I have is in relation to prescriptions so that's the record we have we have no um, record of what's sold in real terms sure. over the counter or where people buy um, the medication privately. So if I get a prescription from my doctor and I um, get that prescription in the chemist, I get a piece of paper with all the details on it. So that's one scheme. Then the drug payment scheme and the long-term illness. So over those three schemes, that's where you got this data from. So you, you've no idea that's how much we got. is someone just walking up to the counter and asking for a box of salpidine. You, you've no way of checking that. No, we've we've no. Well, we have as was in the sense of sales of pharmaceutical companies, but that's uh, that's another uh, lot of work. But in fairness to the HSC, they gave me very detailed figures, um, and it was a, a a series of questions that we put down that got all of this information together. And I think it's important that we do have a debate and discussion about this, about the best way forward. I mean, medication is about recovery. It's not about becoming dependent, and mm. that's where the challenge now is. And mm. I think it's, you know, the national drug strategy, about it's about reducing harm, supporting recovery. You also did and, some research and got some figures into people, <clears throat> drug overdose deaths. Are we talking overdoses yeah. here from things like salpidine? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I would when I checked the figures in the states, uh, in you know, and the figures I got in the states is absolutely frightening. You know, we we're talking about, you know, legalizing drugs, etc. Here, but in overall terms, in the states last in 2021, now that's the most recent figures I have. There were 106,000 deaths from drug overdose. But the issue, the interesting one was about um, there was 16,000 uh, deaths from. Um, involving prescription opiates or other opiate involvement. That was 16,000 in 2021 alone. And that's overdose now, not not from the, the regular use, but it just goes to show the scale that's mm. there and the reason why we need to be so careful about how we manage um, prescribing of drugs, but also as regards the care of people who are on and who need a medication. And, you know, I know a lot of people who are on who are in pain for various um, medical issues will say they can't survive without it. And I fully understand that, but it's about trying to get solutions at an earlier time, and that's mm. the challenge that we have in the health service. In terms of the buying of the stuff, I made the the point there before I brought you on that we would have. <coughs> I am I'm talking about just scanning various countries and their policies. We would seem to have one of the most liberal over-the-counter regimes in, in the EU, going from the extremes of, I believe in Greece, you can only get codeine in hospital. 
Not even your GP can give it to you. I think you can only get it in hospital. You can't, it's banned for sale to the public. Spain, you can't get any codeine over the counter. France, you can, but they'll ask you an awful lot of questions. We would seem to have a very liberal regime, even though you'd get questioned. Is it time to look at prescription only, do you think? Well, well, I think, I think it is, and that's why the health products regulatory authority are currently carrying out a review and they're to report back to the Department of Health. And remember back in 2012, the European Union carried out its own analysis in respect of prescribing codeine for under-12s. And in fact, it was totally phased out because it was found to be not of, um, you know, to be harmful in real terms. So codeine for under-12s has now been, um, you know, not, not, uh, not happening now. And I think that's extremely important as well. But even at that stage, you know, and that's gone back over 10 years ago now, we did a review at that stage for under-12s. Now the Health Products Regulatory Authority is looking for it in respect of all age groups. And I think it's extremely important that they would report at an early date, mm. that would report into the Department felt and that action would be taken on the basis of the analysis that they carry out. But we mm. certainly seem to think that from these figures that I've now received from the HSE, that there is a concern and that we need to take action on it. Yeah. I was talking to a pharmacist a couple of weeks ago, Laura Dowling, about this exact point, and she said, if you were to make it prescription only in the current regime, you might make matters even worse. Well, you know, I, I suppose there there are checks and balances, but I think, you know, and for instance, I came across and give you an example of, you know, where it was prescription only, where I had a person who was on so much medication when they ended up inside an hospital and they were on various types of medication for over 15 years, the medical consultant inside the hospital decided to take them off all medication that we were on. And in fact, they went into withdrawal symptoms while they were in hospital and the hospital had to start from scratch. So prescription only is not the solution either. It's about getting information out there. It's about we all understanding what are the advantages and what are the disadvantages about being on any kind of medication and how we need to, I suppose, reduce down rather than increase where we can at all. And I think that's extremely important. And it's just remember as well, if someone, for instance, you know, um, in relation to medication, we know, we also need to be so uh, aware of, um, especially for younger people as well, uh, and that was proved by the analysis done by the European Union back 10 years ago, um, that, you know, some products are not suitable for young people. Mm. Do you think these things are brought about, these changes or these modifications in behaviour? Are they brought about, do you think, through better awareness or through tougher rules? I think it's better awareness. I think, you know, we, we can apply the rules, but but it's also about better awareness. And I think, you know, you take, say, for instance, the whole issue in relation to smoking, it was about better awareness. Okay, there were changes in rules which did help as well, but it was about better awareness. And it's interesting now how we moved towards e-cigarettes, where now in Australia, I think this morning, they're banning those. Um, well, so, you, you, you anticipated you know, my next question there. I was going to throw that on to you before I left you go with regard to Australia and e-cigarettes because that's another discussion that we've had here from time to time that the jury is out, very much out, on the safety of these things. And Yeah, well, probably, I think the information, the research now shows that, in fact, anyone who smokes e-cigarettes is more likely um, 
going to get hooked on on nicotine. There's no question who's I will end up smoking at some stage, not on a regular basis, but on uh, more often than a person who never uses e-cigarettes. And I don't think e-cigarettes are the solution. Other people would argue uh, uh, with me on that, but I think mm. the evidence is now coming through bit by bit that e-cigarettes are not, um, uh, you know, a, a whole lot different from cigarettes themselves. And I think that's the issue that we need to look mm. at. Lastly and briefly, I guess it's probably a yes or no answer, but I don't know whether you can do it. Do you believe, Colin Borkak, the research you've done here, do you believe it's time to make sulfidine prescription only? And I use that as just one brand. Well, I, I, you know, this is a matter for, I'm not an expert in this area. But you've done research, Colin, you have an opinion. I've done research. I think, and you're a, medic, you're, you're, a, you're a health spokesperson for your party, so you yeah, surely have an opinion. I, I prefer to. I, I think basically I would prefer to see what the health products regulatory authority come back with and see what guidelines they want to put put in place, whether it's the guidelines are for the pharmacists, whether they're for the GPs. Mm. But you, 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 must have a, you must have a personal feeling on it. Uh, no, I, I think I think I'd prefer to see the experts give an opinion on this. The, the the information that I've produced clearly shows that there is a huge dependence on opiate um, medication and that we need to work towards how can we reduce it how we can how can we be, help the people who you know who have various medical conditions as regards reducing the amount of medication that they require mm-hmm. but at the same time making sure that they get the quality of care that they that they that they need but it, would it not would it would it would it hurt so much to say call them on the basis of your research where you think we need to go as a personal opinion as a personal opinion, I believe that in fairness, pharmacists, um, we can use a lot better um, in the role of dispensing and in management of um, drugs. And I think it's important that we give recognition to the work that they are doing. Uh, you know, it's an easy matter. And then this is not a criticism. GPs are under a lot of pressure as well. Um, and I think it's important about working with both groups in order to getting the best plan forward for people. I think there are certain drugs that we may need to decide that, yes, it's prescription only. There are certain drugs that we may need. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. We need to put a, a more reliance on the pharmacist to make a judgment on that matter. All right. Leave it there. Thank you, Deputy Colin Burke. Uh, 0818 A million prescriptions issued for codeine products last year through the various drug schemes that's how they got that data God knows how much of it bought over the counter Um, it is difficult to get a box of sulpidine in a pharmacy Uh, if you go into it now today any pharmacy and say can I get a box of sulpidine they'll ask you and they have to ask you half a dozen questions uh, why you think that's the only thing that will work for you and then when they eventually decide to give it to you they must tell you, look, please don't take that for more than a couple of days because it can be highly addictive. I think for most adults going to the counter of a chemist, that should be enough. It really should be enough. 
Your views, welcome. I don't like the idea where everything goes prescription only because all that happens is looking after your health becomes more expensive. Doesn't it? Because if you need to go to the doctor, you've got to pay 50 or 60 quid to the doctor if you're on issue on a medical card. You've got to pay 50 or 60 quid to the doctor. Then you've got to go down to the pharmacist and you've got to order the prescription and blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, a couple of tablets for, in my case, a few tablets for my bad back to, or my neck, the, the couple of tablets I need to get me through until I can get to see my chiropractor who'll sort me out when the damn thing flares up would involve a trip to the GP um, and a prescription. So I'd probably be end up paying about maybe 70 or 80 quid for a couple of tablets rather than the 12.99 or something that I pay now. 0818 96 96 96. Speak local business story this morning. Brewdog up there on Washington Street, has closed, slammed the door shut after less than a year. We'll try to get to the bottom of that in a while. PJ, 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 says Marion, what is going on at St. Michael's Cemetery? It's in a disgraceful condition, overgrown and all weeds. My father's buried there for the last 32 years. I've never seen it like this. Somebody said it's to do with bees. Really? St. Oliver's is fine. So, any information to do with St. Michael's Cemetery? There are parts of cemeteries, parts of everywhere now, being left to grow wild uh, as a whole biodiversity thing. And you'd be taken out into the street and and disemboweled if you say anything against it. Um, Except that, to me, it looks very, very untidy, unless it's a specific corner. I don't know what they'd do it in a cemetery, though, Marion. But... St. Michael's Cemetery. She said it's overgrown and full of weeds. But St. Oliver's seems fine. And the one out there in uh, Tlachine, St. Finbar's, that always looks lovely and well-tended as well. So what is going on? 0818 96 96 96. Oh, don't start me now. Don't start me now. On oh, no more May. Um, I said it the other morning. No mow May is my business. If I choose to mow my lawn during May, that's my choice, and it's none of your business. If I choose not to mow my lawn during May, that's also my choice, and it's also none of your business. But there'll be pictures all over the social now of people with their virtue badge shining in the sun and their garden full of two-foot-high dandelions and thistles and weeds and all that kind of stuff. Ah, look how, look how nice I'm being to the bees. It looks awful. That's the only thing. There have said it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You guys ready? Watch out! Watch out! The big drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Whether you're leaving work, school, or college, make sure you're with me every evening on the big drive home. I've got celebrity chats. Every summer I'd be going to the bog. I can confirm a tea break at the bog is the best. I've got all things Cork, and I mean all things. Speaking of tattoo fails, or you have the crisis that the Cork County Council vans have on my shoulders. And I've got the music that you want to hear. Tunes pumping, no better feeling. So all we need is you. Join me, Lorraine, every weekday from four. Big drive home. With Nyan Motors, your number one for Kia in Cork. Cork's 96 FM. was developing over the last uh, 24 hours and Monday morning, staff were called into a meeting at the new Brewdog 
up there on Washington Street, the old uh, Grand Central. Or Grand, yeah. Gavin O'Callaghan uh, broke the story in Corpio. Gavin, what happened? Do we know? It's only there a wet week. Good morning. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, it's only been there since last July. It was opened to much publicity and fanfare by um, the Westside Leisure Group, they're called. So people will be familiar with them as the owners of The Brogue, The Alibi, uh, Barbarella Barbarossa and Voodoo Rooms. <laughs> so they had brought the, the Brewdog franchise over here. I believe it was the first franchise um, Brewdog had run in Ireland. Now there's one open in Dublin that they run directly, but the one in Cork has been done independently. So um, yeah, that started off last July they opened. So they'd been running just over nine months and had been going on through the bank holiday weekend just there they were obviously open through all of that and they were quite busy as, as crowds flocked into the city but then on Monday morning very suddenly staff were kind of called into a meeting they were told that the the pub was closing that was that and then they were followed up with an email later in the day confirming it and it's it's all been quite sudden for them and um, nobody was really expecting it the the social media channels for the bar have all been de- seen seemingly deleted already while the location on BrewDog's website has uh, also been pulled as well. So it seems like it may have been planned from a little bit further out. But yeah. again, it, for those the involved staff, directly staff in the very last and staff no. working there, this has all come very suddenly. Yeah, And it was re- relatively busy early in the weekend, was it? Do we know? Um, I was told it was very busy over the last weekend, the, the bank holiday weekend, but then again, everywhere it was. But otherwise, I think for the food, they were doing quite well. But... Um, obviously, you're bringing craft beer into Cork, and they had their own brands, and they they sold a few of the Cork brands as well. Was the system they were working? But there's a lot of competition, as we all know. Like there's a lot of great great bars in Cork City, mm. and a lot of them specialise in craft beers. And Brewdog's pricing was definitely on the higher side compared to a lot of some of the pints. Could have even you know seven, even eight euro for some of the pints <sighs> in there. So, I mean, you've got, you know, right around the corner from it is a place called Impala, which, again, I think it, it'll be hard to kind of drag people away from that. There's, mm. you know, the Friary, Abbott's Ale House, the Beer House. They're all very well established places in Cork mm-hmm. for craft beers, as well as obviously there's two very good um very good breweries as well in the Rising Suns and Franz Wells. So yeah, I guess yeah. they came into this last July and this is the competition they were up against. So, now, Brewdog um, themselves, yeah, the company, said they market. will come back. Um, yeah, they gave a short statement when asked, asked for a comment last night. And, yeah, they said that the decision was taken on behalf of the people running the franchise here, Westside Leisure, but that they themselves would like to open a bar in Cork as soon. Now, we'll, we'll see if anything materialises from that or not, because I suppose this will be the first we're hearing of any plans from them. But I suppose it's early days and we could we could see how that develops. But I'd say some lessons may have may have been learned from this stint in terms of how difficult the Cork market is and how loyal the Cork audience are to local brands and bars and things like that too. Yeah, yeah. No no comment from, from Westlake's like Westside Leisure. Not yes, anyway. Yes, yes. okay. Just on another matter, I, I saw a spread you did recently on some of the best outdoor spaces in Cork. Now, we've got some pretty nice beer gardens to show off, don't we? Coming into the summer and all of that. Oh, yeah, Dad. No, there's, there's no shortage of spaces at all around, I suppose. Again, it's it's a great city to go out and socialise in. And, yeah, I think um, I'd actually made that list, I think, last year, but I think a few updates were made to it recently, all right. But, yeah, easily over kind of 50 spots we can sit out and have a pint. And thankfully, the weather is 
the weather is picking up now. So, yeah, plenty of great places to go if people want to check it out on, on corpio.ie and see, see the list that we put together. All right, Gavin, cheers. We'll maybe talk again about those uh, wonderful spaces in which to have a point uh, around the city. I was actually, do you know where I was yesterday? We went down, herself says to me yesterday morning, she, she, will you go to Lingariff? It's a beautiful day. I said, I haven't been in Lingariff in a long, long time. Yeah, come on, we'll go down to Lingariff. And we went to visit a bamboo farm. I've never seen the like in Ireland before, but just as you come down into Lengariff, there is a bamboo farm. It's the most fascinating thing I've seen in a heck of a long time. And you can walk right down to the water's edge and do a bit of climbing and a bit of walking. It was lovely. And then we went up, and I'll tell you something, Lengariff was fairly busy yesterday. We went up then, up the town into um, the old Cassidy's Hotel. God, I haven't been there in a long, long time. We had a bit of grub there. But it was just... West Cork, Glengariff, was just throbbing yesterday. It was fantastic to see. Fabulous to see. But if you've ever been down... If you fancy something unusual to do on a sunny day in the summertime that's coming upon us, um, go down to go down to Glengariff and look for the... As you go into the town, you'll see it. The bamboo farm. It's just... Brilliant. 0818969696 on St. Michael's. Yep, I was at a funeral there last week. Uh, never seen it looking so bad. Both my parents are buried there. It was a disgrace. Uh, no name on that particular message, but uh, seeing... Uh, oh, Ian. Ian. Thank you, Ian. Um, we had... Uh, was it Marion? Yeah, Marion had the first comment on, on, uh, on St. Michael's. 0818969696. Ninety-six, ninety-six. Yeah, there, ah, there's that link that that Gavin had. Let me see if I can open it here now, and we'll go through some of the the beer garden that he particularly liked, or the the, the outdoor spaces in which to drink. Impala. I've never been to Impala. Um, my daughter loves the place, but I've I've never been there. Um, Costigans. Now, there's a lovely one down there by Costigans down inside Washington Street. They, they made a really nice effort just just down the side. Um, the round, outside the roundy on the corner there, it's just a lovely place to have a pint. Really does. Um, on the corner there, in like just as you go around into Corn Market Street, they put the chairs out. And I must say, I prefer to have a, a pint outside the round, the roundy, the whole of Tucky Street, yeah. uh, Charlie and Union Key, just across there by the wall. When the umbrellas go up now for the summer, that'll be really lovely. Uh, Tom Barry's in Barrick Street has a lovely place. Uh, I don't know Gaia uh, Perch on Grand Parade. Did I read that Perch? Yeah, Perch is part of of Soho, and now Soho has changed hands, and I don't think they'll be reopening Perch. Didn't Perch used to be one time? Fergal will correct me if I'm wrong here. Didn't it used to be Suez? And it was a bar right at the top. And I think your own Brendan O used to play some house tunes there. And it was a fabulous place on a summer's evening, and you could look and see the, the sun going down. It was just the business. Uh, Vickerstown has an, out, an outdoor space. Um, Clancy's. I love Clancy's outdoor space there in Princess Street. All these places came to life during the um, during the, the lockdown because we could only drink outdoors. Um, I didn't know the Mutton Lane has a little space of its own. Uh, Leecher too, Le Chateau. I mean, that's been, had that outdoor seats 
since forever, but it's great. Uh, the Oval's got one. They've all got one. Conway's Yard. <laughs> Conway's Yard have got this video up at the moment of what it's like inside. It looks like something straight out of, of Tenerife. It looks absolutely great. There's so many of them. Canties have one. Coonahans have one. Arthur Mains have one. Electric. Now, that's one of the nicest places of all. And good luck to them with their new menu. Um, they have... On a summer's evening, when the sun starts to go down, say a summer Friday now, it's been a busy old week, and you don't have to drive home, and the sun is baiting down, down there by the side of electric, with a cold point and maybe a bit of grub. It's just, it's just lovely. There's so many of them. The Bodega's got one. The Shelburne's got one. Henshies. <laughs> I was, we were down in West Cork yesterday and, and my daughter sent me a picture, um, from her, uh, outside Henshies in St. Luke's. And there she was, pint in hand, enjoying the sunshine. And why wouldn't she? There's so many of them. Goldbergs have one. And we'll, we'll, we'll we share that, lads, because people can see. Is there somewhere I'm missing in that? Is there some outdoor place that I'm missing? Oh, Suez is still there. Um, I, mean, I must be confusing it then Perches the top of Soho Suez is the other place uh, it's called Queen of the Rebels now Suez used to be brilliant Queen of the Rebels is what it's called now I think you go up was it Was it Captain America's there at the back of the now I have my geography right the back of Queen's Old Castle you go up there a right right up to the top and a bit of music and a bit of grub of an evening time, and it was just the business. Uh, happy, happy day. Next to Brick Lane. That's right. Next to Brick Lane. Yeah, yeah. 0818 On, again, the reaction coming into Neve Kilcawley. Helen says, My daughter has a memory and comprehension problem. The only help they'd give is someone to read the questions, which she actually capable of doing that. No one to explain it. That used to be on offer before. It's a recent change. Things are getting worse rather than better. She has to sit the applied leaving cert because of this. She's quite intelligent. I feel she should be able to do the regular leaving cert. This will affect everything, including that she wants to go to college. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You make you make feel only on Cork's 96FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. Maria on from y'all to say the nicest place to have a pint is outside Farrell's pub in y'all. Is that as you go in on the left there, Maria? Is that where it is? A kind of a grey building, if I remember being down there. And they have a big field in front for kids to play. Is that it or am I having the wrong one? Because there's lots of great pubs with outdoor spaces in y'all. Farrell's, she says, is a, is a particularly nice one. Thanks for that. 
There was a great one, and you could do, f- they did food there as well, down towards East Cork. Oh, God, what was the name of it? It does my head in now, and I can't remember it. You drive down there towards Middleton, and on the side of the road, there's absolutely nothing else. There's a pub, and they used to do fabulous food there. And in the summertime, they'd bring tables out into the garden, and they used to put a DJ on and a, and a bouncy castle down in and the, and the pub of Sunday afternoon. Many's the Sunday, many's the happy Sunday afternoon. We brought the smallies down when they were smallies, and we had a bit of grub ourselves and maybe a drink, and the lads played in the bouncy castle for hours. Oh, what was the name of the place? You know, right? down West Cork, down there, down Carry Tool Stroke, Middleton Way. I don't know if it's still there. 0818 96 96 96. Now, about a week and a bit ago, uh, a woman called Diane Abbott got herself into a hell of a lot of trouble and actually got herself suspended from the Labour Party in the UK. It was when she wrote a letter to the Observer newspaper. Now, Diane Abbott is a woman of colour and she was writing a letter about racism. And the central point she was trying to make in this letter was that if you're white, you don't really get racism. That's the central point she was making. That, like, Irish people, Jewish people, travellers, yes, they all experience some prejudice, which she said is similar to racism, but it's not Racism, she said. She also said, white people with points of difference sometimes experience prejudice. Now, she used a rather silly example of redheads, but she got into awful trouble for this. Like she said that in pre-civil rights America, Irish people, Jewish people or travellers were never required to go to the back of the bus. In South Africa, they were allowed to vote. There were no white people manacled to the deck of a slave ship and she was making the point that racism really only affects people of colour in its true sense. She got into the height of trouble for it, got suspended from the Labour Party. She has since tweeted to say she was withdrawing her remarks and apologised for any anguish caused. The, The party itself said her comments were deeply offensive and wrong. Tyg Hickey However, our local comedian here and uh, actor and all these things, Tyg tweeted that maybe she has a point. Tyg Hickey, you do believe that Diana Abbott has a point. She made it in a kind of a ham-fisted way. But as an Irishman, you've never felt racism as such. I mean, come on, Tyg, like, what, what, what about... What about 800 years of oppression? Is that all forgotten? Morning. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, far be it for me. Like, it would be out of character for me to do it when it's, I've kind of made a career out of uh, ramping it up. But, um, no, I suppose, I mean, my, my thing really is that, like, I, I definitely feel that uh, Diana Abbott's letter was a bit ham-fisted. I think the, the mention or the comparison to ginger-haired people um, was just really out of character like the whole position kind of falls apart really with that you would wonder who proofread that letter like yeah yeah definitely but I think the basic idea for point I wouldn't be qualified or I wouldn't have the experience to talk about Jewish people I can only talk about Irish people and uh, I think even if you include 
people from the north of Ireland who went through what they went through in the 70s and 80s in, in England. And I can only imagine what a difficult time it must have been to be Irish of, of, from any part of Ireland in England at that time. But I still don't feel like it's anything like what it would be like to be uh, of colour in these islands either then or now. I just don't think the two things are comparable at all. And I think it's a dangerous thing to get into, in my opinion. What about the stories, Tyg? We've all heard them. No dogs, no blacks, no Irish. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not trying trying to, for a moment, uh, downplay the fact that Irish people went through an awful lot of difficulties in England in that period. But I think the explanation kind of proves my point, I think, which is in a period where, say, the IRA's campaign was front and centre um, on newspapers on, on kind of mainland Britain, then you had a real surge in kind of anti-Irish sentiment from what people tell me and from what I've read. Yeah. But when that campaign finished, that sentiment went right down. And I don't know what your experience is, but I can only think of myself when I'm in London or any other parts of England now these days, normally Irish people are the belle of the ball. Yeah. So I suppose the point I'm making is like when the circumstances were such that there was a reason to hate us, there was a reason to be suspicious of us, then that was what was happening. But when you take that kind of cause away, the kind of hatred seems to dissipate. And I just don't think that's the same for people of colour at all. It stays the same because there's just an inherent bias and discrimination against people of colour. And I think I think it's it's kind of disingenuous for Irish people to... to to say that the comparison is that that you know that there's a quality here between the two types of discrimination, I I think it's different, and I I actually think what it serves to do as well is that in, it kind of emboldens the 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 racists, like the people who want to make it out that we suffered the same way as say black people in a previous century that we were slaves too, and of course we went through extraordinary difficult things, and we're an oppressed people were more likely to understand I think than most but yeah. we weren't slaves like at least not in the same way you know that's a myth like and I think it needs to be called out because it's dangerous Well we had a lot of people went over and worked as indentured servants like wasn't that kind of the same thing? No it, I mean it's an, it's an approximation of the same thing but we weren't slaves in the same way we weren't victims of the transatlantic slave trade hmm. in the same way and I think I think what happens is like if you put that message out there to young people, it's kind of telling them that sure we went through the same thing. And what it kind of serves to do then is it, it, it's hard to find out exactly what is the problem in society. You, you, you could then run the risk of just kind of going, I don't know why these people of color are, are kind of complaining like yeah. about colonial legacy and whatnot. And, you know, you don't hear Irish people giving out about it. And I think if you don't, if you don't kind of um, understand what the issue is in your society and you just kind of say, oh, look, I'm against discrimination generally, then you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Like, for instance, I'm bald, right? I get hassle for being bald. Am I going to compare that to what people of colour are going through? I get an awful lot of hassle in Dublin because I'm from Cork. <laughs> You've described how when you were gigging in Scotland, someone rubbed a jersey off you and piddled on it. Like, that's, that's not very kind. No, it's not kind, but I think it's... You, you will get, um, I would say you will get discrimination against Irish people hmm. in certain parts of Scotland, 100%. And you will you will certainly get a bias against you. But like, I don't think it's systemic, yeah. you know? And I, and I know there was probably a period in Scotland where people would disagree with what I'm saying completely, that maybe Irish people would have been kept out of trying to get a job. And obviously people in the North will, will be able to say that 100%. But hmm. 
No, in, in this day and age, I don't think I wouldn't be discriminated against in any part of the UK if I was applying for work. We got a bit of grief because we're Irish for certain reasons over the years, but you're saying it's nothing compared to getting a lot of grief just because of the colour of your skin. I think it, there was a period in history where it was on par because we were dehumanised in the same way. Yeah. I mean, I do think there would be ethnic bias against the Irish that runs through the type of thinking that engineered the famine. There's certainly a, a kind of um, a bias against us to try and dehumanise us. You brought the famine up before I did. It was to be my last point. That's the one thing they will throw at you, Tig. The famine, mate. The famine. They will, and and there there be there be few as empathetic to um, that reality of history as me. But I think if we look at the age that we're living in now, the British particularly were able to accept Irish um, as like themselves quicker. I'm not for a moment condoning that type of thinking, but because we have the right colour skin, the racists are more likely to accept us into the circle of trust, as what happened in the foundation of America as well, that we, we go to America the lowest of the low, but we can kind of rise up the ladder a little bit better because we look like the dominant population there. Mm. I, the fact that we're white will always make our circumstances completely different to uh, the, real, the real types of racism, I think, that, that uh, people of colour will experience. We will experience discrimination, no doubt, but it's not. It, I don't think it's on par. That's a very good point on which to finish. Tig, thank you. Thanks a million, PJ. Pleasure as always, buddy. Mine too, mate. Mine too. Um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of get it. He is making a point, a broader point. Well, we don't mind the white foreigner, but we've more of a problem with the brown foreigner. Is is. Could we apply it to that? Thanks, Tyke. Oh, by the way, he's got his first stand-up show coming in the Opera House in September. The show is called, you ready for this? The Marxist Terrorist Supporting Scumbag Tour. I know. Tyke Hickey Live. The Marxist Terrorist Supporting Scumbag Tour Thursday 28th September at 8 o'clock at Cork Opera House and we may talk between now and then we may not but good luck with it anyway Tyg 0818 96 96 96 but there is a thing though it's just a kind of a broader talking point if you like so foreign people move in next door to you are you more comfortable if they're white it's it's a question, do you know? Another question, and this is going to grow into something big, I think. This idea that it's across the EU now. EU is proposing to allow children as young as 16 to have a driver's license. 16. As long as the car has been fitted with a speed limiter. So presumably we would decide what speed... 45 kilometres an hour is the recommended one from the EU. Um, 45 kilometres an hour, and if you're 16 years of age, you can drive as long as the car is limited to that maximum speed. Yeah. This idea started in Finland. But it, it could be... Te- no, 
Michael Healy Ray down in Kerry thinks it's a great idea. He said it makes absolute common sense for people living in rural areas. There's nothing wrong with it in the whole world, says Michael Healy Ray. It would help the people to live where they are, to live better where they are. He's hoping that the government here would support the measure. <laughs> he then goes on to say there are, there are those who'd be happier if we, if we were all on bikes or horses and carts. But, that's yeah, what would you think that? 16 years of age. We, we, we hopefully will be able to talk to someone about that uh, during the week. I remember when I was learning to drive, what age was I when my father first said to me, here, keep that between the ditches and don't hit anything. Now, it was down in a country road when you could still do it. I suppose the most I was was 17, 18 maybe. Um, I used to go down to East. My dad would let me drive the car home from, from my, my uncle's place. Oh, no. 0818969696. Something else that's starting conversations right, left and centre is the fact that some, some of the supermarkets were announced this week that they would cut the price of milk. Lidl did it first and, and they all did it over the weekend. Aldi, Dunn's, Tesco, Super Value. Um, Tesco, uh, a two litre carton of milk has now dropped by 10 cents at all of those places. Uh, we buy lactose-free milk in our house, and I did notice that the the liter, uh, Aldi's own brand liter, had gone down by a few cents. But people are now asking, "Well, look, come here. If this, if milk can start to go down, can the rest of the staple diet start to go down? Because if you can take that price down, what other prices could you take down? And if you can take it down that easy, why have you been keeping them up?" And they did some, there's a survey done here. The Irish Farmers Association did a survey uh, and the shopping basket survey was done recently and done quite frequently by another group. So a white slice pan is 168 at the moment, up 17% on this time last year. Uh, half kilo of spaghetti. Now, that doesn't say whether it's in a tin or whether it's the dry stuff, but 140 for a half kilo of spaghetti, which is up a fifth. A medium-sized chicken is 570. But oh, that's a small chicken. That's a small chicken for 570, but it's still up, still up 15%. A pound of cheese, pound of cheddar cheese, is nearly 11 euro a pound, a kilo rather. 11 euro a kilo, 18% up. Half dozen eggs, I eat a lot of eggs. Eggs are up 20%. Since this time last year, butter is up 22% since this time last year, and onions per kilo up 20% this, since this time last year. That is a, an agency called Cantar did those prices, and they said grocery inflation, the price of your groceries over the last 12 months, has gone up 16.8%. Now that milk has started to come down, little started it. Will anybody else, and a number of others, have followed suit and come down? But look what's in that list. So you've bread, eggs, cheese, chicken, pasta, butter, onions, essentials, pretty much all of them. Is it time they started to come down? 0818-969696. Yeah, the weekly shop is ridiculous. The weekly shop actually is only surpassed in its shock value, as it were, by energy bills. 
the energy bills are the first problem and then the, the weekly shop is, is the next one. 0818 96 96 96. I remember during the COVID, during the early days of the pandemic, I was talking to Sarah Lucy from Mallow. And Sarah has a fabulous job. Sarah has got, I could imagine, every young woman her age's dream job. She has a massive job managing celebrities in some of the biggest nightclubs in Miami and some of the most expensive restaurants in Miami. And and at the time, I talked to her, she was home in Mallow because everything was closed in the United States. Well, she's back there now, and we promised at the time that we would catch up. So I shall do that next. 0818 96 96 96. It's a fun day game time. It's celebrities and anything to do with food. I love Adrian's one here. Kevin Double Bacon Cheeseburger. Yeah. Brad Pitterbread. Good. Uh, Goujon de Paul. Goujon de Paul. <laughs> Stephen Fryup. Yeah. John Cleese Onion Pie. <laughs> The nail in the coffin that says I've beaten Cork in the Punday game. Three in Gokwan. <laughs> yes! Take them on, my friends. Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Cork's 96 FM. So like I said, Sarah Lucy was at home in 2020 when we caught up in the early days of the pandemic because Florida, Miami, the whole place, that all shut down. There was no, nothing opened. And I was talking to her about her great job and, and all of that. And we said we'd catch up again when when everything was right as rain. If you go through her Instagram, you'll find her on as Irish Sarah. Irish Sarah, all one word, on Instagram. And there's a picture of her with Ronaldinho. And there's a picture with... That is, that is Rod Stewart-like. The picture with Rod Stewart and... Loads of pictures with some of the top names in, in the world and they come and go to her nightclubs, the nightclubs where she works, as punters. Like there she is with, with, with David Beckham. Just mean, like Sarah. About time we caught up. Good morning again. Good morning from Miami. It's so nice for you to have me back. Well, when we talked during COVID and you were at home, I wanted to chat with you when you were back doing what you do because it must be the sexiest job in the world how do you go from Mallow to Miami to how many nightclubs and restaurants are you are you involved in we have two super clubs that do about 40 50 million a year so they're pretty big clubs and then we've nine restaurants and we've a few lounges so yeah it's pretty nuts but you said that that it's sexy to be in a nightclub, I find it much sexier to be in Mallow and to be in a field at the moment. It gets a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I bet it gets a bit hyper all right. How did you get that job in the first place? You're there, what, 12 years now? I'm there 12 years, yeah. I did, um, so my family are butchers in Mallow and we were always into selling and I was always into like, you know, the gift of the gab and the chat, the Irish term. And I was like, Went to UCC, did um, a degree there in business, but I was still wishy-washy. I was like, what am I going to sell? I'm not going to be selling meat, no offence, to Back to the Butchers, but I wanted something that was, you know, as you said, sexy. 
So I was looking at like what were my hobbies and trying out was I going to go into sport. We were into greyhounds, rugby. And then I was like, yo, I'm into drinking and partying. Let me sell that. (laughs) So I had a little look at the industry and I was like, you know, this is a serious thing. Not so much in Ireland, but in in the world. And I did a master's in Smurfit and then I just went off on my own. I was like, I just, if I want this job, I got to go wreck people's heads. And I went after it in Ibiza and my boss in Miami. And I just was like, not going to let him stop to give me a job. Everyone's always like, how did you get the job? But there's no secret sauce. Like, you just went after it. What did you do? Just rock up on some guy's door and say, hi, I'm Sarah, and I want to work in your nightclubs? Yeah. Literally. Pretty much. And I have people asking me for jobs every day. And I will say to them, come see me for the next seven nights at 2 a.m. And I know you're serious. And they show up and I'm like, okay, he's serious. So, yeah, like if you really annoy people enough, even they give you a chance and then you will show if you're worth it. And then they'll say, okay, yeah. What exactly is your role then? So I'm director of talent. So I have a very nice job. I take care of the DJs and celebs, but it's still, they're, they're no picnic either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, DJs can be, we can be an odd lot, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And do you book celebs actually then to come to the club for PAs and stuff like that? No, we would have a very different marketing system here. My boss, um, David Grutman, his whole strategy would be we provide a great service and top quality food and beverage and blah, blah, blah. And then the celebs will come for the service. So we would never poach them or it would be my job to actually protect them from getting photos. I'd be like, slip in here the back, have a nice meal, bounce, no one's going to see you. So we would be the opposite of trying to draw attention to them. They just come because we're very good service, I guess. Oh my God, I'm sounding like I'm selling my soul in Ireland. You're okay. You know, I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering, like, think of a celebrity that's been to the club, someone that we'd all know. David Beckham. David, yeah, Beckham. They they moved here because he opened, um, he bought a football club. So they'd be in regularly and the kids and they're just so normal. The Beckhams don't queue up with their 20 bucks. They don't surely like no, they just text me and they'll say I'm arriving at this time. Oh, you just get a text from David Beckham, huh? <laughs> it's my job to make sure that they're safe. So, obviously, the Irish are very safe people. That's really, that's really cool. So, and, and give, give me a few more names. Well, I'm waiting for Roy Keane to come over, but he won't. But see, it's the people that I hang around with. I wouldn't have grown up like in, like the, the, like the Kardashians and the Beavers wouldn't overly float my boat because I wouldn't have grown up a fan, you know? Right. So it depends who you're into. But you have have you had the Kardashians in? like? Yeah, loads. But again, I wouldn't really watch the show, so it's not like, oh, it's, you know, I'm not into the show. Yeah. Now, if I met Killian Murphy or Peaky Blinders, I'd probably lose my mind. Okay, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy wants to come to the club. What are the clubs called, by the way? Uh, we have Live, Nightclub and Story, Miami, and then we have loads of restaurants, Komodo, Poppy Steak, um, Swan, we yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Okay, so Killian Murphy, uh, who could be the next James Bond, for example? <gasps> it's he's one of the names up there. So wow, yeah, he wants to come for dinner and a few drinks with his with his mates, like that. He he doesn't just ring the restaurant and say, "Have you got a table for four, Does he? No, they would always. Everyone knows everyone in the industry. He could be coming from Vegas. Well, he wouldn't because he's too cool. But um, no, they just, they call me and I would know from their personality if they want to be seen cool. or if they're low key. And I would just use your head, common sense. And cool. most people don't want to be seen. So they slip in and out and 
And that's it. And then the marketing would work is the next few days a photo might be released and then the fans would come the week later. But you'll always usually see some kind of a celeb. Gotcha. But it mightn't be the one that you were kind of after, you know. And a lot of them, they would just be looking for a place to eat and a few drinks and just keep it handy. That's why they come to me because they'll know it'll be low-key, have a bite, no one annoying them and they'll get in and out. Yeah, I get You know, it must... All jokes aside, it must get tough at the top for people, and to try to just yeah, have a definitely. quiet, quiet meal. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen celebrities like, um, like begging me, sir, please, like I, I can't. They're just tired, and you know they've got like hundreds of thousands of fans, and wouldn't do, it wouldn't be for me. And then the clubs, like, are they like, are they like a club in Cork? Are they music, dancing, or, or, or what else would you have? I mean, the music would be pretty much the same as the ones in Cork. A DJ is a DJ. Um, but we would put a lot of money into production, the LED screen. Our light system, I think, at Live is 15 to 18 million just for the lights. So you're coming more for the experience than the music, in my opinion. People want to see the show and, and see the glitz and the glam. The DJ will often only play for 90 minutes, and my nightclub will be open from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. So don't make money and provide a show for the other few hours. Um, so that's when the lights come in and the, the dancers and constantly trying to keep the client entertained, you know. Yeah. What kind of DJs have you booked? Um, next weekend is Formula One here, actually. So it's pretty big. I have. Oh, hold on now. You stop a second now, Sarah. My daughter, right? My daughter is a Formula One lunatic. Max Verstappen, no Max Verstappen is her dream husband. I met him and I didn't know his name and I was like Max and I was like I I wouldn't know who half the people I meet but they were like he just won I think yeah he he wins all round him he's the world champion at the moment and he kind of can't lose these days so tell her to fly over next week (laughs) the Formula 1 crew will all be in the club next week yeah please God yeah they will wait till I tell my daughter that I'm talking to a girl from Mallow who will be working with Max Verstappen she'll be weak is it expensive in these places? It is, yeah. It depends on the talent I buy. So if I book Drake or a two, three hundred thousand dollar act, obviously the price will go up on the door. But yeah, next week it will be just to go in three, four hundred dollars, and then the tables could go anywhere from fifty to seventy-five thousand. What? But then with that, I'm defending myself. You will see like a bunch of celebrities. And- so three or four hundred quid to get in, just to walk in the door. But it'll be full. Packed waiting list. Waiting yeah. list, right? Oh. And what about what about the restaurants then? Are they they expensive? The restaurants actually, it's kind of the new way to go. I'm seeing a trend. We have restaurants here that would probably go with a DJ in a lounge, and we have clients there that are spending more than they are at the club doing hundred thousand dollar dinners. It seems to be a moving trend. Definitely restaurant lounges. So yeah, our restaurants. Um, we have a restaurant poppy steak and it's a thousand dollars just for the steak and I think it's a hundred for the baked potato spuds. Hang on. A thousand a thousand quid for a steak. Correct. And there we sell like forty, fifty a night of just that steak. Okay, and, and a baked potato for for, a, for what? What'd you say for a big one twenty. But we had some caviar. <laughs> would I get a pint in the club or would I get a bottle? You'd get a bottle and it would probably cost you about 18 euro. 
God, I'm really not helping myself here. No, everyone come to Miami. It's you just, I just want to go. <laughs> yes, it's a big celebrity world, but ordinary people go to Miami on their holidays too. Uh, can mm-hmm. they get into the clubs? If they paid 300. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 what we're providing. There's different, you know, variations. We, we actually opened a restaurant recently and we're doing, you know, burgers and stuff and it, it just didn't sell. So obviously people come to us for a certain... Level. It's not my jam. Listen, I'm having sausages, eggs and beans for dinner, but that's that's the market I'm in. Do you know why you're so successful? Because I'm having sausage, beans and chips for dinner. You're grounded. You're totally and absolutely grounded. You're working with the biggest names in the world and you're just so grounded. How do you, how do you keep it like that, Sarah? I honestly think it's your breeding. Like, my family are, like, just normal people and... They couldn't care less. If I was at Trump last week, they don't care. I, I just turned around. He was beside me, and I was oh, off. I what, go. Donald. Yeah, Trump. But my parents wouldn't care. They don't. But how, how did he, how did you meet him? For example, did he come in looking for a table or what? He was at a UFC fight. Um, I was invited to. I don't even know who was fighting, but I went. Okay, and there he is standing next to you. And there he was. Yeah, but I told my parents, and they were like, "Yeah, whatever." Anyway. It's Easter and, you know, the, the shop is coming busy for catering and they're just, the you know, Irish wouldn't tolerate, like, people being unhumble, you know? Yeah. Have your parents been over? Have they sampled what you do? They come twice a year. They were here about two weeks ago and my mother partied harder than me. Um, people were going up turning the streets going, oh my God, you're a lunatic, you won't stop partying, but... I was home in bed early, but yeah, they come a lot and they enjoy it. Was she partying with anybody well known? She was, you know, and I wasn't even there. She sent me a video. I was like, oh, ma'am, please, what are you doing talking to him? No, he was lovely, but I was like, stop reckoning. Um, people. You're not allowed to tell me, though. No. Sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But come back to this thing so grounded. I did see on your, on your Insta stuff that you you need a couple of hours in the day of total silence and you like to be alone for a whole block of the day every day when you can. Mm-hmm. And I'm becoming worse and worse. I think I'm coming proper introverted. I think when you work in, even people that are like in Aldi and the post office and customer service and nurses and it's just, it gets exhausting to talk to people. But I am, yeah, I do need silence. I pray a lot. Um, I'm oh. looking at the beach now and I'm like I should go down for a swim but there's humans there so I'll have to talk to them so I'm bothered this is why I miss the field so much How often do you actually get home to, to relax on the farm? Um, I'll be home in July Right um, I just love it there it's just my, my friends like you live in the middle of nowhere and I'm like no actually I think I could be more isolated <laughs> it's mm. the back arse and I love it And how often how long would you get home for? Only about two weeks because I can't miss too many weekends in one go. I would take about two weeks at Christmas, two weeks in the summer. That's it. And like I said to you earlier on, I think I know why you're so successful and everybody wants your number in their phone and they want to call you at midnight to solve their problem because you are so grounded. So grounded. Oh, bless you. Thank you. It's great fun. And we'll, maybe when you're home, you should pop in and we'll have a proper chat here and you can tell me more. Yeah, and I want good grub and cork. I'm sure we could organise that too. Sarah, great talking to you. God bless you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Don't work. Don't work too hard over there.
Yeah, her Instagram is full of stars. Like, put it this way: I may well meet her here in the summertime if she comes home, but I ain't gonna get on that Instagram. Like, no, ain't gonna happen. Uh, Rod Stewart, Marshmallow, another one turns up regularly in the club. Uh, Rod Stewart, there. She's gassed though, isn't she? And she loves to come home to her hen. She has one hen. <laughs> Irish Sarah, you'll find her on, on Instagram. 0818969696. Now, yes, thank you. A couple of people rang up. The pl- I was racking what little brain I have left to try to think of the name of the place that we used to go on a Sunday <clears throat> when the kids were small and they were just at that age where you could let them out to run around once the they were in a safe space and whatever. And in the summertime, there was a bouncy castle there, there was a DJ there, and you could get your food inside in the pub and bring it out, and they had little picnic tables, and on a Sunday afternoon in the summertime, it was just brilliant. It was the two-mile in. Thank you, Betty, and thanks to everybody else who rang up to to mention to me that it was the two-mile in. Uh, sadly, closed now, says Betty. We used to go there too. They had pet rabbits and hens. They had, they had Betty, and that the, the hens would be sort of hodding around the yard, and they used to have little tractor. They had the old seats of tractors. Remember the old metal seats off the old vintage tractors? They had them as made into stools outside the. It was just a lovely, lovely place. Catherine was on as well to say, "You're thinking about the two mile in." PJ. They had food and drink and music they had. And the food was fabulous down there. They had used to be the most gorgeous chicken goujons. A bouncy castle. Uh, it was, it still is, on the left-hand side of the road, about two miles outside Middleton, on the way to Castle Marcher. It's been closed a few years now. Unfortunately, Tony, the owner, has passed away. Well, may he rest in peace. But it was bought recently. Ah, so hopefully it'll be done up and reopen for food and drink once again. Thank you, Catherine. I think it was, I think it was there I first met a great East Cork DJ. Uh, we became pals over the years. Tommy Cop. first met him down there for Sunday afternoon down in the, down in the, outside the Two Mile Inn. There's nice memories. I'm sad to say that it's, to hear that it's closed and that the owner has, has passed away, but nice to know that it's been sold. Hopefully it'll open again. 0818 96 96 96. We need more two-mile inns in our life, especially when you have smallies. My two are way grown out of it now, but we used to have so much fun with them there. And the pet rabbits as well. Oh, yes, yes, the pet rabbits, Catherine. You're right. Talking to someone who put a message on the Cove notice board about parking wardens. And I'm going to read it out in a little while and maybe come back to it tomorrow. Do you think that parking wardens, traffic wardens, should kind of give people a break, as in assess the situation and maybe give some consideration to what might be going on rather than just take it because you've broken a rule? If I don't get to read it out before the end of the show, I will definitely read it out tomorrow. 0818 96 96 96. Did you see that video that's flying around of the the crow flying by the taxi? Did you see that? It's brilliant. Catch up with that one next. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 <laughs> FM. Yeah, I'll feed him. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. 
<laughs> was that you, Abby? It was me. <laughs> it's really funny. It really. Yeah. Is. No, what I'm more taken by is the big tray of jellies and sweets that the oh, driver has. Best part, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me what you work and and in the coffee shop in in, in Cork Airport. I do, yeah, AMT Coffee, yeah. Okay, so tell me what happened. How did this come about? This is brilliant. So I worked three AM shifts up at the airport, and I had just clocked off. It was 12 o'clock in the day, and I walked up to the staff car park, and next thing the car had a flat tire. And I was like, oh, God, right. So I'll sort it later. Let's just get a taxi home and get, you know, that sorted. Yeah. So I went to go get the taxi, and the first fella in the taxi, he only took cash. So I said, I'll go to the next taxi. And then that taxi said, you have to go back to the first taxi. So I was like, okay, I'm not getting the taxi at the rink anyway. Right. And then I decided to wait for the bus. And the bus was full. So really then wasn't I had your to, day, was it? Oh, my God. One thing after another. Like, um, So then I ended up going on the Free Now app and calling a taxi. And then that's when Rory uh, picked up the job then. Right, okay. So you're driving along, Rory's driving the car, and then when did you see the crow first? So I was walking up to the car, and the crow was perched on the, the wing there. <laughs> As I was walking up, I was so kind of just thick out <laughs> that I just didn't even notice them at that point. So I got into the car then, about 30 seconds. No, I got into the car, and um, the crow flew away when we started driving, and Rory said, oh, he's after, he's after flying away there. And then 30 seconds later, then we were driving down and he goes, look out the window there, he's back. And that's then the crow then <laughs> flying alongside the so car. Following the car. And, yeah. and how did it... So Rory was the driver. He, well, he, he feeds the, 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 the crow out the window. Yeah, and a few taxi drivers do, apparently. Um, that it's a kind of a thing. So they, he knew what he... He knew what, like, that the crow was going to take the food. I had no idea. Like, I hadn't a clue. Um, and then he said, one, roll down your window there and feed the crow. <laughs> he took the biscuit out of my hand. Yeah. Is it the maddest thing you've ever seen? It's insane. <laughs> I still can't even believe it. Like. Did it cheer you up after the flat tire? Oh, yeah. Couldn't get on the bus. I, and <laughs> I literally, I had posted on my Snapchat first before it ever hit TikTok and everyone was replying and they're like, oh my God, this is brilliant. And because um, even in the caption, I say like like I've had the worst day ever for this to happen is like complete contrast. Like it was it was mental. Is it the same? This is a silly question. Is it the same crow all the time? I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> he says that he he like he kind of knew the crow. Right. But I've been told by people here in the airport that have worked here for years that it's been happening for years that the crows yeah. to be fed. Because crows do, one thing we know about crows, I remember talking, the, the things you talk about in this, I remember talking to a crow expert, a crow behaviour expert years ago, and they do exist. The crows, <laughs> if they're getting fed by a person or in a house, or if, if they consider themselves to be welcome, they'll come back. Yeah, they recognise faces. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're quite intelligent apparently. Apparently not. <laughs> so over the last few days. We got onto we got onto a, a, a pal of ours here, DJ Derek. Derek said that Paddy Hussey, and I remember this at the time, Paddy Hussey was a very popular, well known taxi driver, and he died of COVID. And we 
featured this on the programme. There was a big rally of drivers for the funerals, so the big line of taxi drivers. Yeah. That was his crow. Oh. It, it was Paddy's crow, and Rory, who was driving you with that big tray of sweets in the middle, Rory, oh. <laughs> Rory just inherited the crow. Stop. And they started feeding the crow, and then they, they now see that the taxis is being friendly, so they're not afraid, and they fly along thinking that they might get a, a bite to eat. That is brilliant. Isn't that the coolest story ever? <laughs> that's, that's even, a, like, because everyone was going on about how great the story is and everything, but that's even better story. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, poor old. I remember they were all very upset about I didn't know Paddy at all, but he was a very popular taxi driver, and he died during yeah. COVID. He died of COVID. And, um, and they had a big parade for his, for his funeral, but it was his, if you want, his crow. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is brilliant. Abby, That's, you can't write that. Thing. You can't. You couldn't make it up, could you? And the yeah. video's, the video's gone mad. It had thousands and thousands of views. Thanks. That's Abby Cashman. Uh, she works in AMT. She's a barista at AMT in Cork. Back at the taxi, there's a fella feeding the crow out the window. I mean, you couldn't make it up, like. You could not make it up. If you said, if you went home and said, oh, yeah, I got a taxi home and the taxi driver was feeding a crow a biscuit out the window. People would look at you and go, what were you drinking? But she actually has a video. Brilliant. Fabulous. 0818 96 96 96. All right, I'll read this. Have I time? I have. Uh, yes. And I'll come back to this tomorrow. Feeling blue right now. Just watch the traffic warden. This was on the Cove Notice Board. Just watch the traffic warden ticket a car that parked behind me only a few minutes ago. The car is parked in a loading bay at the top of Harbour Hill. And I guess from the people that got out, they might well have been heading for the doctor's surgery. I got out of my own car, which was legally parked, to say to the warden, I thought the people might just have been taking an elderly relative into the doctor that they'd only just left the car and probably wouldn't be long. He just shrugged his soldiers and said, look, it's a loading bay, and did the ticket. I know he has a job to do, but life is already so hard for so many people, it just made me feel so sad that what they get on their return is a fine. Is this really a proportionate level of enforcement? That went up on the Cove Notice Board. We've been talking to the person off-air who put it up there. They're not targeting the warden personally, no interest in that, but just felt there was a case to be made, if you like, for a case-by-case basis. It's one that we can certainly return to. We're back in the morning, just after nine. Courts 96 FM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.